Welcome back. Week number four already for us here on the Plus. It is good to be with you. Welcome to the Damon Bruce Show. I want to welcome all of you. I want to welcome this pimple on the bridge of my nose that I've been trying to shake now for 24 hours. It, it apparently wants to hang out today. So we're going to hang out and we got a lot for you in the next 25, 35 minutes. We're obviously going to get to Club Plus where we get into the chats and everything that people want to talk about. That might be the other stuff. The other stuff comes at the club. But we start, obviously, with the timeout that wasn't. And thank goodness for Steph Curry, it wasn't. Skills Report says, Who else remembers that time Steph called a phantom timeout nearly costing the Warriors game four of the 2023 first round? Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Unbelievable that the Warriors were able to survive that moment. It is good to have you here today. I've been in the building the last two games, game three and four. They've been tremendous games. They've been very different from each other. Every game in this series has come with its own flavor, its own lineups, its own adjustments. It's been fascinating. I mean, this is one of the better first round. It is the best first round series the NBA has offered up this year. Going back a few years, it's one of the best. I mean, it's really been phenomenal um full disclosure i mean full disclosure i wasn't aware the warriors didn't have any timeouts either i'll be the first to admit it when steph turned around called the timeout i thought yeah it's a good way to get out of that trap they set up for you here's the deal though i'm just watching the game i'm not a first ballot hall of fame one of the greatest players of all time point guard trying to win a playoff game so i avoid going to sacramento in a 3-1 hole the fact that steph curry just came out and said yeah that's me that's my bad i didn't know i forgot shows you that a real leader falls on his sword when they know a mistake has been made there's no excuses there's no trying to explain it away. Steph said, yeah, I thought it was the best play of all time. It was one of the smartest decisions I've ever made until I was entering, what, Chris Webber calling a timeout territory? That's what Steph Curry was flirting with, but the Warriors win that game. Um, the fact that everyone's trying to fall on their sword, and Steve Kerr says, that's my job, i got to let everyone know that. The fact that Draymond Green said on his podcast, look, I'm the trail on that play, but I ran ahead of it, so I wasn't there as the escape valve. It just shows you the amount of respect that Steph Curry commands from his teammates, from his coaching staff. And today in the Bay Area, instead of talking about how Steph made one of the worst decisions ever to put the Warriors in a perilous situation, a near-perilous situation, everything's okay. Everything's okay. Oh, oh my God, though. Unbelievable. Um, every game in this series has come with a major adjustment. Draymond being suspended almost feels like an afterthought since it was such a major plot point because the Warriors, again, they survived that too. He comes off the bench to, I think, a lot of people surprises to start Game 4, but he was right out there at the beginning of the second half of Game 4 when the Warriors need to officially started showing up and playing a little bit of defense in a game where they hadn't played much defense at all. There hasn't been much defense even played in this series. As I told you early on, sometimes the best defense played is going to be a missed shot and a rebound. That's either all these teams are going to offer defensively. Kaminga, look, he's basically played himself off the floor. I don't think he's going to be much of a factor. Moody is now on the floor. You got Ragu, Dante DiVincenzo. 
having an up game, down game, up game, down, down game. Jordan Poole remains totally unreliable defensively. And if he's not feeling his shot, there isn't much room out there for him. The shot was falling a bit more in game four. He played a very important role. But that guy, obviously, you know, he's a freaking adventure too. At all times, Jordan Poole is an adventure. Klay Thompson had his first really good game of the series in game four. Um, the Warriors, as they are built right now, in a 2-2 tie with the Sacramento Kings, essentially have three players that they can count on to show up in each and every one of these games. It's Steph Curry, it's Kevon Looney, and it's Andrew Wiggins. All three of those guys have given at the office in spectacular fashion, really in every game so far in this series. The three of them can be counted on. They are now the building blocks that the rest of this whole thing going forward is going to be built on. There, There is no doubt about that. Um, Harrison Barnes. Harrison Barnes missing a postseason three finally pays off for the Golden State Warriors. Marcus Thompson on the anatomy of that play that gave Harrison such a good look. I mean, I Chase Center held its collective breath. Everyone kind of thought that shot was going to drop. It didn't. And everything's okay. But man, oh, that was exciting. Harrison Barnes, he finally, his inability to hit a big three in the postseason finally starts working for the Golden State Warriors. Marcus Thompson, again, on the anatomy of that play, he wrote in The Athletic, Draymond was defending Fox but was screened off by Barnes. The Warriors initially switched with Curry jumping out to apply pressure and shut off Fox's drive. Green abandons Barnes to help out on Fox, which, given the fact he'd already given the Warriors 38 and has just been killing them this entire series, was probably the right thing to do. But when doing that, he left Harrison Barnes the most wide-open-looking practice gym three he's going to see at any point in time in the rest of his NBA career. And Harrison, you know, had a, Steph Curry said, I thought it was a great closeout, one of the best closeouts of my career. And he did. He tried to challenge it. But Harrison is a lot taller than Steph. He got that shot off without being bothered by Steph Curry, and he missed it. Straight up missed it. As Marcus Thompson goes on to write, so Green took his chances on the player who went five for twenty. Excuse me, five for thirty-two over games five through seven of the two thousand and sixteen NBA Finals. Oh, Marcus, going back into the this is what Harrison did wrong phase for that one, but he's right. Um, Steve Kerr, I think, offered up the single best post-game explanation to explain how the Warriors won that game, how they survived that game, and that Harrison Barnes shot. Steve Kerr simply said, look, sometimes it comes down to this. Does the ball go go in or does it not? The ball did not go in, and the Warriors have an even series. Game five coming up in Sacramento on Wednesday. That thing is going to be Clearly the pivot now in this entire series. Historically, teams that win game five, tied at two, go on to win the series better than 83% of the time, I believe is the last number I saw. Maybe it changed, but it's about 80% of the time. And I don't think that there's really any doubt in my mind that the winner of game five in this series wins this series. I said when the Warriors were down 0-2, I think they need to win four in a row here. 
two legs down, one more to go up in Sacramento. You come home, close it out in game six, and survive. Survive a team that is basically the Golden State Warriors a few years ago. It feels like the Warriors are playing a younger version of themselves. A younger, even more athletic version of themselves. And I'm going back to when the Warriors were the athletic version of all of themselves, too. This Kings team has got some serious wiggle on it. And De'Aaron Fox is an absolute star. An absolute star. No longer a star in the making. No longer a guy who's on the come up. Like, De'Aaron Fox is one of the best players in this league, and he has been. He has been. I think, unquestionably, the best player in this series so far. He's been unstoppable. The best the Warriors can do is turn him into a volume shooter. That's the best that they've been able to do now in any of these games. So, Warriors survive a heart attack. Draymond, again, he comes off the bench for the first time after starting 132 playoff games. And you know what? When he does get out there, what's he do? chirping right away oh there was chirping going on early in that game lots of chirping right away lots of chirping Barnes he gets that great look doesn't go down chirping post game you can just feel it these two teams got it out for each other Draymond he comes right on out and gets Fox into chirping chirping they get a double tech early so Draymond is guarding Sabonis he's guarding Barnes he's guarding Fox he's guarding Monk he's guarding anyone who needs to be guarded he can guard everyone and Draymond if he just spent the offseason working on layups he comes back a better player that guy missed more bunny layups at the rim last night he missed enough layups where I thought the Warriors were probably going to lose that game. He finishes with 12 points on 14 shots. Again, a lot of missed layups. 10 rebounds, 7 assists. He had a steal and a block. And you know what? No matter what you want to say, Draymond didn't do over there. Boy, he did it over there. He was really good last night. He was really good last night. And really frustrating. He and Jordan Poole are basically the exact same player for two totally different reasons. One you can count on to get it done defensively for the most part. Offensively, might be an adventure. Jordan Poole, you can kind of kind of count on him to get it done offensively, but defensively, he's an adventure. So it's a, a constant yin and yang. Those two guys may never like each other, may never go out to dinner together, but man, they are so similar. In so many ways, they really are. Um, it was a fascinating, fascinating game. It, it's been a really interesting weekend around the NBA. We've got a really interesting weekend um, in baseball, spitting out some results, and we'll we'll get to all of that in just a second. But just some quick thoughts going around the NBA here. I want it established. I want it known. I, I don't want anyone questioning this. I'm not rooting for the Lakers, but I think I'm absolutely rooting against the Memphis Grizzlies, who had this plucky, young, and up-and-coming team that everybody really liked, led by an athletic guard and some attitude everywhere. Like, I like that, but they took it too far. John Morant, Dylan Brooks, you guys are taking it too far. You're not who you think you were. And you know what? The Kings are ready to replace you, 
as that young, plucky, everybody kind of wants to watch them see what they become type of NBA team. That's what the Kings are becoming right in front of our eyes. Whether they win this series or whether they lose this series, I want as much, I want to buy as much of the Kings' future stock as I can because they've been fun. They're fun to watch. The Memphis Grizzlies went from fun to watch to basically kind of unwatchable, and that's even with John Morant out there. He's amazing. He really is. He's an amazing player. But L.A. can go up 3-1 tonight after blowing the doors off of Dylan Brooks and company in Game 3 of that series. Uh, LeBron was awesome, and all I can tell you, that Anthony Davis so rarely turns into this version of Anthony Davis, you forget how scary he is and how scary the Lakers are when he is this version of Anthony Davis. This version of Anthony Davis isn't even like, oh, this is a really good version of Anthony Davis. This version of Anthony Davis is, I'm one of the five best players in this league. That's this version of Anthony Davis. So all of a sudden, the Lakers got real juice and some mojo to them. If they win tonight, they're up 3-1 going to Memphis for Game 5. Phoenix, they're going to beat the Suns because Kawhi Leonard doesn't even try to push himself to play. And I've always said it's amazing the tolerance other men have for other men's pain. And look, I I get it. Kawhi Leonard, he's always hurt. Who misses more games due to, I'm a little sore tonight, than that guy? I I just, I hate players like that. I do. I just, I love Kawhi, the on-court entity. The Kawhi might not play tonight entity is part of the reason why the NBA deals with a PR problem on this front. He is. Um, Russell Westbrook, meanwhile. All the criticism. All the founded criticism, well-founded, well-placed, accurate criticism on Russell Westbrook could not have seen what he has turned into and what looks like will be a losing effort ultimately for the Clippers. But the guys out there essentially with Norm Powell at this point trying to win playoff games and Russell Westbrook has been incredible. Just incredible. Like, I didn't think he had this in him again. I didn't think this gear was in Russell Westbrook anymore. I didn't think it was going to happen. He's playing his best ball since peak Oklahoma City Thunder Westbrook. Since MVP Westbrook. He's played some of the three, four best games we've seen out of this guy in years. So that's been fascinating. Looks like the Phoenix are going to go ahead and clean up that series. Tomorrow we get three series. I think all of them are going to close out. Celtics will be at home up 3-1 on Atlanta, who has to deal now with a suspension of uh, DeJounte Murray. Uh, I don't know if he's going to get suspended, but he made contact with an official, and I'd be surprised if he weren't suspended. And even if he were out there, I don't think it gets the Atlanta Hawks through that game or that series. The Nuggets feel like they're definitely about to close out Minnesota. Again, the Suns are up 3-1. They probably end the Clippers' year, but all of of that is tomorrow. Um, the NBA has just been fantastic. I'm talking some real on fire, fantastic NBA playoffs, but no series has been as good as what we get from Warriors and Kings. It's been fantastic. Somebody says here about the pimple, my terrible camera is not picking it up. Thank you very much. I appreciate that, Adrian. At least it's finally paying off. 
Uh, let's see. Waiting on that join button. Take my money. I don't what join button. Join what? Is there like a members thing? I don't know. We, again, we're learning it all in real time here. We've been doing this is week number four. This is show number 16. We're trying to figure it all out. Next thing we need to tackle thumbnails. Talk about things I never thought about in my entire broadcasting career until about a month ago. Thumbnails. You kidding me? Thumbnail. I got to do that shit. Okay. We'll get it done eventually. Almost the curry flurry we're not used to. That's from Daniel. Yeah. What a boneheaded moment from one of the smartest players we've ever seen. The fact that he just goes ahead and says, hey, man, that's on me. That's what a real leader does. What's up, Helsinki? Heart attack, baby. Heart attacks. How about this, by the way? Some of you have been asking for him. He's appearing in chat form. The official brother. Mr. McBride is here. McBride, you still owe me breakfast from last year's Warriors Nuggets Warriors in Five prediction. We're expecting you to be flying out here to the Bay Area soon to cook breakfast for me, the wife, and the kids. Kevin getting into the Warriors saying, this series has to go seven games. Go Sacramento Kings. Look, if this turned into a seven-game series... I think the entire basketball world would be cool with that. But if you're a Warrior fan and you want to win this series, I don't think you want Game 7 up in Sacramento. The Warriors better win Game 6. And if they do, excuse me, the better, the Warriors better win Game 5 in Sacramento. And if they do, I think they come home, they close it out in Game 6. If not, woo, woo, it is going to be <sighs> drama, drama. It is good to have so many of you in. We got an awful lot of people. We got over 100 people chatting already. Thank you for joining us today. Again, what do we got? Subscriptions, sponsors, members, whatever. Really appreciate all the generosity that everyone has shown. It's meant so much. Thank you. Go ahead, subscribe. Make sure you got that podcast because you're going to get this podcast. We're going to have a little club plus and get back into the comments in just in uh, in just a minute. But we got a little baseball to talk about. Not much, but just a little baseball to talk about because the Giants, look, they split with the Mets and here come the Cardinals. They're getting a little bit healthier. The games as you watch them are not this horrific eyesore that they were about a week, week and a half ago. So improving Giants, improving to what? a middle-of-the-road average baseball team, that's what they're pretty much destined to be this year. A middle-of-the-road average baseball team is such a watermark. I don't know if John Fisher's ever going to clear it, and I don't care where his team plays. We'll get into more about a statement from Rob Manfred about the A's relocation here in just a moment. But the A's, and this isn't to rip... Any A's fans, you, you you all deserve so much better. A's fans, you, you're awesome. You're awesome. The owner you root for and the team that you rooted for, I hope you're done with them now. I mean, seriously, like if you're still rooting for the A's, that's on you. Like I, 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 I need to let you know, ma'am, your husband is beating you and it's time to leave this marriage. If you are an A's fan, you are a battered sports fan with an abusive spouse, and it's time to get out of that relationship. It is the time. But I got loyalty. I got, doesn't matter, honey. Pack a bag and go. 
The A's are the most pathetic franchise in sports today, and it's by design. John Fisher is just unfit to own a sports team in any league, in any city. Las Vegas might want a baseball team. They should wait for an expansion team. And whether or not Las Vegas really even wants a team is to be debated. And they should wait for an expansion team. You do not want to bring the baggage that is that motherfucker and the way that he goes about his business into your city. And if you think John Fisher is going to change all of a sudden once he gets his real estate deal, you're wrong. Because he never cared about winning. He never cared about competing. He only cares about the real estate deal. Get someone that owns a team that cares about winning, that cares about it, that has a tie to, to, to look, Las Vegas, wait for an expansion team. Do not get into business with the A's. Do not do it. You cannot trust them. John Fisher basically salts the earth. Why would you ever let him plant his fields in your town? Today, Rob Manfred, just moments ago before we came on the air here, Rob Manfred said that it's clear to me the A's have no intention of staying in Oakland. Oh, no, 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 excuse me. That was what the mayor in Oakland said. Rob Manfred said, um, where is he? I, I should have highlighted it here. Uh, basically, he's like, I'm sorry for A's fans. Yeah, 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 yeah. Here's what I wanted to get to. And what Rob, Rob Manfred previously said, uh, expansion to 32 teams will be a serious consideration once the A's and Tampa Bay Rays resolve their long-running stadium woes. He said today that he's hopeful that the Rays find a resolution that keeps them in Tampa and reiterated that expansion would then be up for discussion. Vegas, wait. Wait. You go ahead and let the A's. John Fisher's bought that plot of land. Let him build a stadium and then don't let him move. I mean, seriously. Vegas can do so much better than that guy. So much better than that guy. Manfred also said he's eager to grow the game in Mexico. He's never been close to the uh, he's never been closed to the idea of Mexico as an expansion opportunity. You're about to abandon Oakland. You're about to leave what is, considering the TV market stretches up to Sacramento, one of the five biggest TV markets in the United States of America. And the only reason why no one watches the A's is because John Fisher has designed them and built them to be unwatchable. Their payroll's what, $50 million? Their payroll is one Jacob deGrom? I mean, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous what is allowed to happen, what that team has been allowed to become. Shame on all involved. Shame on all involved, except you, Oakland. I know you're flawed. I know you got problems. But you're not the billionaire with enough money to fix any problem. One guy is. We know who he is. I would, If I'm Las Vegas, I wouldn't let John Fisher anywhere near my city. I wouldn't do it. I'm sure there's quite a bit of A's chatter coming in. We'll get to that in Club Plus in just a little bit because I got three more things that are kind of interesting around baseball. We start with Jacob Carabas, who just one more, this is why the A's can't work. This is why the A's have the worst record they've ever had through what? 22 games, 24 games, whatever they played worst in franchise history. That's what they've become. 
they were what they had a run differential that was minus a hundred just a day or two ago. I don't know if they got past that yet. I don't even care. I'm not even looking anymore. Matt Olson, Matt Chapman, Marcus Simeon, and Sean Murphy are hitting a combined 294 with 20 home runs and 72 RBI. The A's as an entire team have hit 19 home runs, scored 73 runs. Again, the team that they have remaining can't even produce like four or five players that they've let walk away because just cheap, not even trying to compete or win. Just making sure that his profits are in Major League Baseball's top five. That's all John Fisher's accomplished. A decent profit margin for himself, who was already stinking filthy rich to begin with because his daddy gave him all the money he'd ever need. Fuck that guy. Just to let you know that because you're in a small market doesn't mean you have to be pathetic on arrival. You got the Tampa Bay Rays right now. If they beat the Astros tonight, I saw this from James Smith, who is a Yes Network researcher. If the Rays beat the Astros tonight, they're going to be the first team to start 14 at home, 14 and 0 at home since the ninth. Excuse me, the 1886, the 1886 Detroit Wolverines. Huh? Pitching that day for the uh, 1886 Detroit Wolverines. The pitching matchup, well, I don't know who they were playing, but the pitching matchup was Lady Baldwin and Pretzels Gertzian. Pretzels. There's a great nickname. How come there's nobody in baseball right now using the nickname Pretzels? Or maybe that was his real name. Maybe they were naming kids Pretzels back in 1886. I don't know. It's an interesting choice to name your your son Lady Baldwin, right? It's an interesting choice. Lady was, you know, the fashionable thing then. Lady Bing? Lady? Laddie? Maybe it was Laddie. We just say Lady. Either way. Just to let you know that you don't have to suck if you're in a small market. Rarely ever are the Pittsburgh Pirates an example of this. But right now they are, so we will talk about it. Jeff Passan said the Pirates are 16-7. and seven. That's the third best record in baseball. They've won seven consecutive games with a run differential of 45 to 15. Sure, it was against the Reds and the, and the Rockies, but still, the Pittsburgh Pirates have the third best record in baseball. Throw the parade wherever you are immediately. Unbelievable. We're about to get into Club Plus because, again, we don't waste your time here. We don't stretch topics just to keep your, keep your attention. You got a busy day. You got to go and get lunch. People got things to do. So we streamline everything to fire it at you like a missile as quickly and as efficiently as possible. We got an NFL draft coming this week. NFL draft is always fun, isn't it? Round one Thursday from Kansas City. And unless the 49ers do something, their name's not going to come up as a team about to make a pick. As a matter of fact, that's not going to happen into the second round either. Unless they make a trade, they trade up or Trey Lance is on the block. They don't have a selection until the 99th pick, as it currently stands. Right now, the 49ers have three third-round picks, 99, 101, 102. No fourth-rounders. They have three fifth-round picks, 155, 164, 173. They got a sixth-rounder, and they've got four seventh-round picks. 
I've seen an awful lot of people trying to do mock drafts. My good friend Larry Kruger, who we're going to pick back up the home and home here a little bit this week and then starting hopefully about five days a week next week because I know he's got a lot of NFL draft coming up and he's got things planned before I was even uh, a twinkling in YouTube's eye. Um, I know, look, Larry, this is, this is his, he's the Santa Claus of NFL draft talk. He loves it. He goes into a sack. He pulls out names, stats, scouting reports on players from colleges you've never even heard of, much less teams or, or players you've never even heard of. Like Larry is all over the draft in ways that make me say to him all the time. And I say this with love, Larry, you're crazy because one of the things that drives me nuts about the draft is the montage of how certain everyone is about everything. You play that four years later and you realize how everyone is only flapping their gums to fill the airtime. Nobody knows a thing. No one. No one. The best expert. The most guaranteed, cannot missed guy in the world can be a bust, and the guy you've never heard of, Brock Purdy, can go from Mr. Irrelevant to starting NFL quarterback. None of these guys, I mean, look, people in the league know what they're doing, but even knowing what they're doing, the whole thing is still a crapshoot. Every media member, when it comes to covering the draft, is three words, full of shit. All of it. And that's okay. That's okay. We're in the shit business. We talk shit. We 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 suggest shit. We, we this is what we do. Bullshit. This is what we do. We're talking. Talkers talk. Talk shit. So everyone wants to be on the right side of history. Will score everything that they actually get right. Conveniently forget everything they actually got wrong, and then we'll just go on to the next draft, to the next draft, to the next draft. The draft itself is just an amazing cultural phenomenon. What it was how it started, what it was intended to be, what it is now, its no one could have ever seen this happen. I saw Front Office Sport was doing a little series on how the NFL draft even came to be. Did you know that the first NFL draft took place in 1936 at Philadelphia's Ritz-Carlton Hotel? 90 players were eligible. None were present. There were no scouts because the NFL didn't even have scouts. There were no agents because I don't even think there were agents back then. There was no media because they thought non-story, you know, who cares about covering football practice, much less reading the list of guys who might participate in a football practice. The media was only in it for the games back then. There was no concert. There was no four-day promotional event. It was not, you know, thousands of television hours dedicated to, to the topic of what NFL team is going to draft what player, even though there's no correlation between player drafted or NFL success at all. None. Look how many guys in this league are starters who are undrafted. That's all you need to know about the draft. Well, the draft is important because that's where you get starters. Nah, you get you get a lot of starters after the draft too. All the time. This week, Kansas City is the home to the NFL draft. Front office sports that Kansas City, and I believe them when they say Kansas City has built its largest stage ever. I believe you. Will have its largest screens ever. I believe you. We'll see over $125 million in revenue just pumped into the city because it is hosting the NFL draft. And you know what? 
I believe you. They say over 300,000 people might show up. That's the edge of the number that can show up. I don't think, think Kansas City can handle an influx of hotel accommodations for 300,000 people. Obviously, some would be coming from driving distance. I get that. But I've also heard Kansas City might see a half a million to 600 to 700 to maybe 800,000 people. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. That's not going to happen. And I don't even think Kansas City can handle it. I like the draft. I like watching the draft. I like talking about the draft a little before it starts. But the minute the team you cover doesn't even have a first rounder unless they do something, trying to talk with any certainty, authority, as to who the 49ers could be picking at number 99, not even knowing if they're going to be picking at 99 because there could be a trade, or who the 99 previous names were off the board, it's nuts. And I love the draft, and I love me some Larry, and we'll be doing some draft stuff together. But, you know, a reasonable amount of draft stuff. Not an insane amount of draft stuff. Because no one knows anything. And I guess that's kind of what makes it fun. You are a big reason why this is fun. Why we have been up and doing this to great accolades. I'm here. I'm, I'm proud to announce that the Plus has officially been recognized by the NBA and the Golden State Warriors as an official media entity. I, for game three, because I'm doing some post-game NBA playoff coverage for AMP, Amazon's app. It's a lot of fun. We talk basketball. We play some songs. We, we It's cool. Um, it allows me to do things that I've never really done before. Going to music, music that I think fits the moment, the description. It's fun. It, it, it's either for you or not for you. Check it out for yourself. It's the AMP app. And because AMP hired me, I could have called Raymond Ritter and just said, look, Raymond, I, I, I need a credential. And they would have cut one for me. I got a lot of I got a lot of miles on me in this town. They would have taken care of me. But I never wanted to be the guy walking into the media situation without an actual reason to be there. So for game three, it was Damon Bruce Amp. And I appreciated that. For game four, they decided that Damon Bruce Plus was now the official accredited media outlet that I'm working for. So we made it. We haven't made much money yet, but we've made it. The money that we have made has come from various, very generous donations from you, the Super Chats, uh, memberships, I guess, got to come eventually. Things are happening. And I am thrilled to let all of you know that we have two very cool sponsorships, inaugural sponsorships that we're going to be rolling out starting next week. As we finalize the details, I'm very comfortable telling you right now, the first comes from my man who I've known for years. You probably thought this was going to happen. And look, every radio station in San Francisco is going to be pissed off because the man who does not advertise, because he doesn't need to, is going to be advertising with me. Ike of Ike Sandwiches is going to be a proud sponsor and supporter of the Damon Bruce Show and that guy's a true friend, and I love him, and I thank him for it. We're going to talk about that. And on Monday, we're going to be announcing the fact that, and I'm not kidding, Blackened Whiskey by Metallica is officially on board. Again, Ike's a buddy of mine. I kind of expected him to be there for me as I fell into this new space. 
I knew no one involved with Metallica or whiskey. They found me. They've come to me. Charles Richards, who's a fan, just watching, says we're in. So we're really looking forward to that. I do believe we have a couple press releases to get ready for Monday. Since we're now a media entity, we're going to have to have press releases. Two guarantees we will not be hiring Don Lemon, nor will we be hiring Tucker Carlson. Interesting time in media, to say the least. That's why I'm thrilled to be over here. That's why I'm thrilled to invite all of you to stick around. We're going to dive into the chats and what you have to say today as we open up Club Plus. And there was, once upon a time, a very smooth transition, but it keeps on getting content flagged. So we're just going to wait until everyone thinks it's not a Ghostface Killer song. Well, I know you don't think that, but YouTube does. So we'll just do it the old-fashioned way. To wrap up today's podcast portion before we get into Club Plus, let me just say to you all, thank you for tuning in. Please do remember that sports don't build character, they reveal it.